Life Audio. Hello and welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast, where we attack our most pervasive fears with truth because life's too short for any of us to live enslaved. And here at Faith Over Fear, we're passionate about helping God's children live in freedom. We love to connect with you online or on social media. Just visit our show notes to learn how to connect with us. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Before I launch into today's discussion, I wanted to invite you to some powerful Lent experiences designed to help you more deeply connect with Christ. The first is hosted by the Your Daily Bible Verse podcast, where beginning February 14th, my team and I will be leading you chronologically on a journey through Christ's death to his resurrection. And for my newsletter subscribers, make sure to visit your subscriber's exclusive folder to download a correlating daily Bible reading plan. Finally, I wanted to invite you to join me on Facebook or Instagram for short inspirational video messages also during Lent that I hope will be especially encouraging for those who've experienced deep soul wounds. You'll find links to my Instagram and Facebook page along with a newsletter sign-up link in the show notes. I'm Teresa. And I'm Kelly. Today we're talking about depression the different ways it manifests, and how God met us in our times of depression with grace and love and not judgment. Not a simple topic to talk about, is it, Teresa? No, it is not. Really not. And so before we get started, I do want to give a trigger warning to our listeners. Of course, depression manifests itself in so many different ways. But in this podcast, we are going to be talking about suicide addiction and abuse. Please know that this is a safe space, but we want to make sure that you, the listener, if this is a trigger for you to make sure that you're in a safe space with safe people before you continue. We also invite you to be part of our Faith Over Fear private Facebook page, which you can find the link in the show notes. And that you'll be surrounded by people who have walked where you walked and will come along beside you and just encourage you and pray for you. So do check that out. So as you said, we are talking about depression today, and I would think that before we get started, we would want to think about what depression isn't. And when Mm. I think about depression, depression isn't laziness, all in my head. It isn't sinful, demonic. It isn't something I have a choice to do or not. It is a medical chemical imbalance in our brain. And yes, it does seem like there's more and more depression these days. But I think that's a mixture of the world we're living in. We're on a sick planet and it's a really rough time of life. But we also have gotten so much better about diagnosing 
and being upfront about our illnesses that our grandparents and our great-grandparents never did or never had that opportunity. So I don't really think that all of a sudden everybody has depression. I think there's a lot of things, other factors that go into that and not to be unkind, but if you haven't experienced it, it is so hard to understand. Yeah, I, I think that's so true that, and I always want to say, praise God, if you can't understand it, yes. you know, if you can't understand the darkness of depression, the hopelessness, the inability for the light to penetrate or love to penetrate, despite my most rational thinking, I'm glad. I'm thankful for people who haven't had to walk through that. But I also know that those who have all those identifiers I just gave resonate, right? Yes. So very much so. Mm-hmm. And when it's just so hard just to engage in life, I had a rough year last year. I moved 1900 miles away from my friends and my family. And then I lost my best friend in the world. He was like a sibling and it just spiraled me down and it got to the point, and this is going to sound funny, but if you've been through it, you'll, you'll get it. It's what they say. If you know, you know. It got to where there were some mornings I couldn't brush my teeth. For some reason, the thought of picking up a toothbrush and brushing my teeth felt like the hardest thing in the world to do. Like it drained my energy just thinking about it. And so I made a New Year's resolution this year, which I never do, but it was very simple that I'm going to brush my teeth every single day. And here we are on the 29th of January and I've managed so far. So I'm super excited about that, but it has been a struggle. Definitely, definitely. So depression feels like different things to different people. I'm just going to share a little bit of of mine. And as Kelly said, a a little warning alert in that I have and will share a couple of times where my depression was so bad that I wanted my life to end. I felt suicidal. And so my hope and my prayer is that this wouldn't be a trigger, but more of oh my goodness, I understand why this loved one of mine, what they're feeling and walking through, or wow, I've been in that space, or maybe I'm even in that space because we also want to offer hope of what can be some practical things that we can do if we're in that space. So for me personally, I went through a serious depression at 18, triggered, it's always hard to know what triggers. You know, as you said, sometimes it can be a Good things like a move to someplace you want to go or sometimes not. It's hard if you don't want to go. Or it could be a death of someone special. A couple of times for me, it's I've come off of a really high point and then leapt into a hard place. Like, you know, I had a successful life in high school and I had good friends by the time I graduated and a lot of accomplishments. And then I didn't go straight to college and it just spiraled me to a dark place. And how I got there, I couldn't tell you. But once I got there, there were feelings like, and, and I've been reading in the book of Job, again, warning, it's not all good news for Job. Some of what he expresses of like in Job 3, he says, I wish I was never born cursing the day I, you know, I was in my mother's womb. I mean, sometimes when we get to that space, it's like, man, I just I wish I wasn't even here at all. Why was I even born? My life has no purpose. I have no purpose. I am not worth anything. My life is not worth anything. I just want to die. And Job even says that in chapter 7. He's just like, just let me die. And it's it's hard. It's hard for somebody to understand 
how a person could get to that place of darkness. Because typically, even those stories we read or hear of people who are successful in suicide have also been highly successful in life. And we go, how could they possibly? Why would they possibly? They're just selfish. If they just had more Jesus. You know, there's got to be a purpose. There's got to be a reason. There's got to be an answer. There's got to be a fix. And quite frankly, in the moment, there's not. Life is just hard. I just feel like it's like a dark wall surrounding me. Intellectually, I know I have friends who love me, family who loves me, a God who loves me, that it can't penetrate. It's like armor. I went through something similar when I was in my mid-30s. Same, finished a really successful college career, got my bachelor's degree, and then went on to get my master's degree and spiraled to a terrible place terrible. And both times in both situations, I was blessed to have some lifelines. So, you know, maybe if someone's in that spot or knows someone in the spot to think of if any of these things might be, I believed if I killed myself, I would go to hell and I couldn't do that. Now we know Jesus loves us. And if I believe he's my savior, he's forgiven that sin, but I wasn't in that space at that time. So as much as I wanted to die, I was afraid I would go to hell. God will use what God will use. Praise God. I'm glad for that. So, but I still engaged in dangerous behaviors. I had a friend and they were our closest friends who committed suicide. I know the pain that it feels like when someone we love has killed themselves. It is overwhelming. The guilt too of, of what we could have done. But I also knew from that experience, I couldn't kill myself because that friend could not handle the pain. It wasn't fair. Again, a lifeline doesn't mean make necessarily rational sense, but I'm not in a rational state for say in depression. And then that same friend was so good. This was the depression of my mid thirties. She would just call me every single day and say, will you stay with me another day? Will you promise me today, just today? And I could say, yes, I will promise you today. And then she called me the next day and asked me again and again until I was in a better place. So maybe that can be something I can do for another. Maybe, but for me, that was a lifeline. And then, unfortunately, people can often use scripture in a way to shame us and make us feel bad. But one that I love is Romans 8.26. Because what it talks about is that when I am in such pain that I cannot pray, the Holy Spirit will pray without words, just with my groanings and my pain, and God hears. Even all the ones that we're supposed to think, no. But that the Holy Spirit can pray when I cannot pray, I can do that. I have learned over the last few years that UG, just U-G-H, period, mm -hmm. That is a full prayer. There are just sometimes the only thing I can get out is UG. Yes. And I'm so grateful that you brought up Job. Job is such an interesting character. He was such, he it was such a man of God, such a strong believer. And yet he went through so many trials and tribulations. And he went through times of saying, why was I born? Questioning God, doubting his life. And, but he didn't. He, he kind of just, rolled with it the best he can eat despite horrible advice from well-meaning friends you know that god came to him and said i control this earth i control everything just trust and he did and was rewarded for that 
And that's kind of my story is I was never suicidal. There have been times I have laid in bed and wished everybody else was. I, <laughs> I remember one time just when I don't even remember what happened. I think it was when Russia you invaded Ukraine. I just mm. was kind of was, that was my UG prayers. And I remember saying out loud, why did you make humans? We're awful. We're terrible and horrible people. Why did you even make us? And I wasn't struck by lightning. I wasn't, you know, God didn't, you know, throw me out of my church. I wasn't hellbound for that. It was just an honest heart cry, just like Job, just like David. All throughout the Bible, we read these times of strong leaders, men and women that just have this heart cry of what's going on. Why are you doing this? And that's really my story of depression. It's when God doesn't fix things the way mm. I want or the way I planned. You were right. My move to Utah, from Georgia to Utah was a good thing. It's been a, amazing. The state is so beautiful and it's so lovely and the people are so lovely. But my friend dying wasn't part of my plan. We had plans over the next few months. And the fact that God didn't honor the way I had everything planned out, he didn't honor the way I saw my life going is what kind of spiraled me. And I'm the kind of personality that I withdraw. My self-medication is withdrawing. Mm -hmm. If you've ever done an Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram five. I just, I'm not emotional. I don't like to share. Crying makes me uncomfortable. I don't cry. If you cry around me, I'm just going to kind of stand there awkwardly because I don't know what to do. And I will often say, I don't know what to do, Lord. And the verse that always pops in my mind, I'm going to read the whole thing because I think it's wonderful. It's from Isaiah. It's chapter 55 and it's verses eight through nine. And it says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And it just kind of makes me remember that I don't see the whole picture. As humans, we see things very literally. It's in a straight line. And God sees things 360 degrees. And he knows that this choice is going to lead to this. Well, I don't know that. And I'm not saying God ordained the death of my friend. We just, we like again, we live in a sick world. We live in sick bodies. And he got sick. But I know that I... It would have been much harder for me to handle had I not moved. So wondering why I moved and then finding out that being with different family and being surrounded by godly men and women and great health care, much better health care than I had, put me in the right place to be ready for the depression that was going to hit. And yes, I'm on medication. And I think we need to kind of talk a little bit about that about some of the treatments, because I think a lot of times we do get shame-based when we talk about anxiety or medication. And, and I have to go back to what you said earlier about sometimes verses are used out of context. And one of my pet peeves is the be anxious for nothing. The Bible says, be anxious for nothing. Therefore, you can't have anxiety. You can't have depression because God told you not to. And honestly, it was if it was just that easy then of course nobody would be depressed or anxious. It's kind of like telling people, if you just eat less and exercise more, you'll lose weight. And I just want to grab people and go, well, congratulations, you just solved world obesity. Why didn't nobody think of that? Right. It's because everybody's metabolism is different. Everybody's food choices are different. We have people that live in 
food poverty and food deserts, same with depression. And we have to talk about that it is okay to be treated for depression. Most definitely. And, and there's a lot of great articles out there. Unfortunately, people could also find articles that say, no, medication doesn't help depression. As someone who's experienced ongoing depression at different points in my life, I, I believe they are wrong. For me, medication and counseling, and especially in the darkest times when you really can't get out of bed or life does not seem worth living, it is a combination. Medication by itself is not a fix because I also have to do some work and I've done a lot of work over from the years from when I was 18 till today. So I've done a lot of work in allowing God to heal hurt and and wounded places. But it's an ongoing process as it is for all of us. So with depression, what often medically is linked is typically serotonin, which is a thing that makes us feel good. For some of us, it our brains don't hold that serotonin. A doctor explained it to me once. It's just like I have a big old funnel. It's in there and then it comes out. So for me, medication helps plug the hole. I can now have some serotonin in my brain and I can manage life. It doesn't make me like I'm on a happy mood pill or anything like that. It just makes me quote unquote normal. For a time I self-medicated with alcohol. I do not recommend that. I think medication has helped me, but the hard part is finding the right one. So first you have to get yourself to a medical doctor because counselors, unless they have an MD, cannot prescribe medications, but your general practitioner can. And especially now there's such an emphasis on healthcare. Have you thought of self-harm? Are you depressed? I mean, when you go to the doctor just for a checkup, they ask you these questions. So when you call and say, I am in this dark place and I'm thinking about these things or I can't get out of bed, they will work with you. But the first time I, when I was in my mid thirties, they prescribed Prozac for me. It took a month to work. My husband is like, what is wrong with you? You're on medication. You should be better. It wasn't the right one for me. Now I take... And for the past 15 years, I've taken a small dose of Lexapro. It works great. I can feel it if I don't take it for a couple of days. When I get back on it, I'm back to a good place. Because even without it, which is why I know for me personally, I need it. There's been times in my life where I've been able to get off of it. And some people can. I'm not one of those people. And my doctors even said, if everyone took this tiny amount that you take, our world would be in a better place. <laughs> and I was thankful for that. Mm -hmm. My mom brought up a great point that I think is good for us to consider. If I talk about it being serotonin and my brain receptors can't keep it in there without medication, if I were diabetic, I would take insulin. That's right. It's the same mm -hmm. for some of us with antidepressants. It's that same chemical imbalance. Like you're it's saying, that you're missing now. that serotonin, you're missing that insulin, or you make too much or not enough. Mm -hmm. That's what medication is. I consider myself a smart person, but I don't think I could be a doctor or a scientist. God gave the chemicals and the herbs and everything that they use to make medication. And he gave certain men and women the brilliance to figure out how it works. And I'm going to respect their talent and know that it's a God-given talent. And this is not something that God is on his throne going, don't you dare 
because I don't think he would have given people the the thoughts and the talents to design these kinds of things to help us if we weren't supposed to have them. Correct. I, I'm also on medication and I will tell you that mine has kind of gone up and down over the last few months. I had a, a period after my friend died where one day I thought I was fine and I was on medication and I just was sitting in my chair and all of a sudden I couldn't breathe. It felt like mm. there was a weight on my chest, like somebody had just pounded me with a sledgehammer. So I called my doctor. Honestly, I wanted to know if I needed to go to the emergency room. And she's like, no, it's basically a panic a re response and depression. So she upped my medicine, but she said, you have got to see a therapist. And I have seen a therapist mm. off and on, but I would go once or twice and then be done. And then this particular therapist now I've seen almost three months weekly. In fact, I brought him um, a candy bar last week because I said, congratulations, you are now officially the longest therapist I've ever seen. <laughs> made it this long. I've never made it this long in the past. But even the days where I don't want to go, I'm like, no, I'm fine. I'm just going to talk to him if I can just come once a month now. I get in there and I'm like, no, I need this. Yes, I need somebody to talk to. I need somebody that I know anything I say is not going to go out of this room. And sometimes those probing questions help me remember things that I need to remember that I have squashed down because I do tend to withdraw and I do tend to shove emotions down. And it's yes. a good thing. So I'm all for it. And I agree with your doctor. Maybe if we all just had just a tiny amount of antidepressants, yeah. there'd be no war. <laughs> But that's not going to happen. So how can we be practical in treating our depression day to day? I think, as we mentioned, to get medication if we need us to help us over the hurdle, to help us out of the darkness. For me, it allows me to see things as they actually are, as opposed to this perceived impenetrable trouble darkness that allows light in as you mentioned counseling is good it helps give me tools whatever those tools might be my young granddaughter's experienced some trauma she's going to a counselor to process and get tools to manage life I think the degree to which if we know someone to be able to step in and offer love and support not shame I think there's great things in the power of prayer in terms of ongoing, what keeps me in a, a better space, gratitude is one of those things yeah. for me that they say is a great help with both depression and anxiety, but not in the midst of it. These are things that when I'm healthier, I can do to keep myself in a better place. I also know myself better now so that when it's coming, I feel it before I get there, if that makes sense. Oh, it does. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to a bad place emotionally, mentally. So I have not been suicidal for 25, yeah, about 25 years, praise God, okay. even though I've still had bouts of depression. That's right? awesome. Um, and I think it's it's when we start to learn those kinds of things. And I also want to bring it back to something you shared at the very beginning is having that lifeline. Find that one person that you can reach out to, even if you just send them a text saying, I, I don't want to go on living. That so often is your anchor to the world. And I'm grateful not only to have that person in my life, but I am that person for someone else. Yes. And, and if you don't have anybody 
that you can reach out to physically one-on-one, then again, we have our Faith Over Fear Facebook, Facebook group. We'd love to talk to you. We'd love to be that person for you. There's so much that the enemy uses as lies when it comes to depression. We yeah. talked about it earlier. It's a shame. It's a sin. I think you said at one point that it, it convinces you that your life doesn't matter. That yes. it's the, or this is the one I really get so angry about, not toward the person, just toward the enemy, the lie that the world would be better off without me. Yes. You know, I'm such a burden. I'm such a burden to my friends and my family. They're getting tired of me. They don't want to, it would be better for me, better for them if I was gone. But we know that's not true because as you said earlier, the pain of losing someone to suicide is just, or addiction is just overwhelming. It is. And in the beautiful thing about God and his healing and grace is that my experiences are not wasted. So even yesterday, this is just what God's saying. Yes, what you are doing is important and part of my plan. I met a, a friend at church yesterday and I asked her how things were going. She goes, it's been tough with my family. My grandson, who's 17, tried to commit suicide. And I said, oh, I am so, so sorry. That is so hard. And I said to her, I said, I understand I have been in this place. And she was shocked. She go, And she's like, I never would have thought that of you. So sometimes even the people who seem like they have it most together and might be afraid to share your hard stuff, we don't know. And so that's why I think it's important that we, especially those of us trying to, to walk a walk of faith, share our heart because God wants to use that. So if I'm willing to share my hard things of depression, whatever it is, God, it's never wasted and God redeems it and makes it helpful to someone. To the degree we will be transparent, that we won't allow the shame and Satan to say, oh, you can't tell anyone, that we are willing to confess that we have walked that walk, God uses it. Amen. And he uses it to help other people. And I'm thankful. One of the things when I, I have a disability, when I first became disabled, I had depression again. God didn't honor the plan that I had for my life. He changed it. But I kept telling people, people kept saying, can we help you? And I kept saying no, because I kept feeling like my needs were burden, which often you feel like when you're in the throes of depression or, or suicidal ideology. And finally, my godmother, who stands all of maybe five feet tall, just yanked me by the ears and said, stop, God has told me to help you. And you are denying me being a blessing and doing what God has told me to do. And that hit me so hard. So now when people say, can I help you? I will say, yes, you know, could you help me with it's still I'm not saying it's easy. It's still hard. But it's so important to reach out and just say, I am worth it. I am worth my needs are not a burden. I am a beloved child of God. He knows me. He knows every part of me. He knows the part that's doubting. He knows the part that's screaming, ugh. He knows the part that's listening to the lies. And he's sending his spirit. He's sending his people to intervene on my behalf. And when they come, I need to let them. I need to let them do what God has given them to do, which is to help me. And that's hard for me because I don't like being kind of the center of attention. 
but it's so important. And that's so important that we believe that truth. We are worth it. Yes. Regardless. Yes. And we are worth life and we are, we have a purpose to be here and whatever it takes to be here. That's what we need to do. Exactly. And that we are loved even when we don't feel it. Exactly. Always that is loved. a truth. That, that is, is a truth. truth that we can park on. Amen. For sure. Well, what a good conversation. Teresa, do you mind closing us in prayer? No, I would love to close us in prayer. Oh, Father God, I just thank you for your love. I thank you for your lifelines. I thank you for the opportunity to share the hard, to share our laments, to share our pain. May you use it for your good, your glory, and may we just always be willing to lend a hand, to reach out, to love, to provide comfort from our own experiences. May everyone listening know and feel deeply loved regardless of where they are in an emotional space today. And we thank you for all your many blessings. Amen. Amen. Thank you. And thank you for listening. I hope this episode deepens your understanding of God and helps you rest more fully in his grace. And remember, you are loved. If you haven't already done so, we encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. Then you won't miss a single episode. And make sure to share it on social media. We'd be very encouraged if you would rate us as well. That helps others find us. Until next time, may you live with the courage of one who has truly been set free. Feeling stressed? Let's take better care of you. I'm Bonnie Gray, the host of Breathe, the Stress Less Podcast. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.